I don't know what's wrong with the church, but we definitely got a problem. You know, when we lose a 36-year-old young man, the young man that got up here just a few Sundays ago and him and his wife sang so beautiful, I thought was so anointed. We had a great day and our music that day. It was absolutely awesome. Today, that young man is dead. 36 years old. We prayed for him last Sunday evening. We stayed late. Many of the prayer warriors stayed. He's encountered a tremendous problem. He came out of a war-torn country in Croatia. I know he's got a lot of problems, has had a lot of problems, but we've been trying to work those out. But obviously, we didn't hit it. The doctors said that when he was 22 years old, he couldn't live five more years. But he lived 14. But last Sunday, we prayed. Many of us prayed, stayed late, prayed, talked to the king. And then we prayed over him virtually every day and Wednesday. I mean, Tuesday night, there was people over there all night long praying. Wednesday afternoon, about 2.30, he stopped breathing. We prayed and stayed there in that house and prayed and asked the Lord to bring that young man back to life. I know this is not a normal way to do business. You know, most people, when somebody died, they just say, well, it's over. But I'm not normal, and I hope you are not normal. Because we stayed in that house, and we prayed over that young man till 11 o'clock that night. Intensive warfare. When's the last time you've been on your knees beside a bed from 3 o'clock till 11 o'clock at night? Well, there was a lot of people there that night done that. A lot of them. But we didn't get the results. We wanted. You know, the Lord made a command in this book. I'm going to give just a, one word or two here, and then I'm going to take testimonies. But my heart's broke today. You know, I'm angry at me, and I'm angry at the devil. Because I know the problem's not with God. It's got to be with me and with you. You know, I was not the only one there praying. We had a house full of people there praying. So it's obvious nobody that was in that house had what it took to raise him from the dead. I mean, if, if he had got up off that bed and raised him dead, there wasn't a single one of us could have took credit for it. Because there were so many of us there praying. You know, you'd had to say it was the body of Christ that had the faith to get our king to move to raise this man from the dead. But he didn't do it. We didn't move his hand. I want you to listen to what the Lord says here, and then we're going to take testimonies. And when he had called unto him, I'm in Matthew chapter 10. I'm going to read in verse 1, and then I'm going to go to verse 7 and 8. And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now, what was left out? When it comes to sickness and disease, what did the king leave out? Nothing. Nothing. 
And then verse 7 and 8, he says, And as you go, now this is our daily walk, and as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now I'll have to say I didn't do a very good job of that the first many years of my Christian walk. But I don't think I'm failing in that now. I am preaching the gospel to people night and day. I think about when I stood out in the minister center last night, it hadn't been no time. It didn't seem we didn't have a DVD or a CD. We didn't have a CD or a DVD recorder. All we did was make cassettes and videos. And I did that for years. And I had a handful of stuff. And now then, last night we were trying to figure out where we're going to put the additional teachings. You know, I've got a whole wall full of CDs. And a whole wall full of DVDs. Hundreds of teachings from the Word of God. And that's all happened in just the last couple of years. But still, something's wrong. With all that teaching and all that knowledge that God's given me, I'm still not where I need to be. Because He says, as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, I think I'm doing a fairly good job at that. Now, the king may not be happy with me, but I think I'm doing a fairly good job. But sometimes what you think and he thinks is two entirely different things. I am preaching the gospel. I'm trying to talk to people. I mean, I'm spending thousands of dollars every month on radio, television, everything else. God's moving people. He's bringing them to the ministry center. I mean, I go to the barber shop yesterday to get a haircut. And I sat down there, and a woman, first thing she does is run, run a comb through my hair, and she said, you have the most beautiful head of hair. I said, yeah, I have it because I serve the king of the universe, and he gave it to me. I said, do you know him? And she said, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. I said, well, great, where do you go to church? And she began to tell me. And I said, well, great, I'm glad you love Jesus. She said, but i got a 24-year-old son that hates God. I said, you need to bring him to me. I can change his life. And she begins, how are you going to change his life? I said, with the revelation God's given me, I guarantee. I said, if you will bring that boy and you will come with him and your husband will come with him, I guarantee I can sit down with you with the Word of God. And that boy says he hates God. I can show him who he hates and it's the wrong God. I can teach him who God is and the devil is and I guarantee I can change that boy's life. I believe that with all my heart. I believe I can change him with the revelation God's given me. He told me to preach as I go. Well, that's what I'm doing. I'm sitting in the barbershop preaching to this woman, and everybody in the barbershop's totally silent. Ain't nobody talking but me. I have had the privilege to walk in a place of miracles that few men have walked in. And I'm so grateful to the king, because I know every time he does a miracle, it's him done it. It wasn't me. But somewhere along the line, I've done something that he likes to get him to do these things. But obviously, for many years of my life, I didn't do those things because he didn't do those things for me. Now then, I am doing my best to preach the gospel. And then he says, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said, heal the sick. We are doing the best job we know how to do that. And we are getting lots of people healed, but we're not getting them all healed. We did not get Johnny healed. There's something wrong we missed that if we could have found the whatever it was that we were missing, we could have got that boy healed just like all these other people we have got healed. But we don't get them all healed. 
Now, I don't know if that bothers you or not, but since Jesus told us to go heal all manner of all sickness and all disease, since I can't get it done 100%, there's something wrong with me. What is it? Well, I want to know what it is. I want to know why a 36-year-old, handsome, beautiful young man that I stood in as a pastor for him down in Christ for the Nations less than a year ago up on the platform, this man's ordained and graduated from Christ for the Nation to go into the world to preach the gospel. Today he's dead at 36. I don't think that's God's will. In fact, some of the things I'm going to teach you with the revelation God's been giving me, if you think it, if you think... It was more than you could stomach when I started teaching you about healing. You wait when I go to Hebrews 5 and 6 and go on to things above. The revelation God given me, either some of you are going to think I'm completely nuts and there ain't going to be nobody here but me, or there's going to be some people here that's going to straighten their life up and do what God says, and we're going to see God do some awesome miracles. That's all i got to say. You know, one way or the other, that's where I'm headed. I'm tired of living where I'm living. Some people, I had people, I had, I was at a GLC the other day. I was never so humbled, humbled in my life when I walked in. And a guy older than me, when I walked in the door, he stood up and said, Sir, can I just shake your hand? I said, Well, certainly, sir. He said, I just want to touch a man that's walked in God's power. And I thought, Oh my gosh. He drove all the way from wherever he drove. He heard I was going to be here. He did, ain't nothing wrong with him. He don't need prayer. He just wanted to touch me. I thought, Oh my lance. He wanted to touch me. I'm just a man. I'm nothing. But I have had the privilege to walk in God's power and see Him do some awesome things. And you know what it does to you when somebody walks up to you, especially an older man than you, and he is just trembling and he wants to just reach up and take your hand and say, I've touched Thurman Scrivener. Boy, does that humble you. Does that humble you? A little piece of flesh, a piece of dirt that has hit a few things right somewhere along the line that God has allowed him, he has shared a little of his power with me. A little. But I don't know about you, but I'm tired of living in just a little bit of his anointing. I want to see him do awesome miracles. I mean, don't you, Jim? Yeah. I want to see the king do awesome miracles. We know it's available because we've seen what we've seen right here in this church. We've seen him do some pretty awesome things. Some pretty awesome things. Talking about raising the dead, I told Eldon. Eldon, he works with us in the ministry too, him and his wife Nancy. He's really a great asset to the kingdom. He's a man of great faith. He didn't know anything about Johnny. I didn't call him, I guess. I don't know how we missed him. But he didn't know about this. But last Monday, there was a woman called him and she had a horse that was dying. The vet said he was going to die. And so, the vet done all he could do. So he said the horse is going to die. So she called Eldon. Eldon goes over there. He prays over. He anoints the horse with oil. And next morning, the horse is up standing in the hall running around. I said, we needed you over at Johnny's house Wednesday. We needed all that kind of faith. He raised a horse from the dead Monday. You know, he has got great faith, I will say. He's a humble man. He walks in the anointing of God. 
And he, God has honored his prayers in this ministry and even before he come to this ministry. And God has used him for many a year to do great and mighty things. Well, that's where every one of us should be living. But we're not. So there's something wrong. The Lord says, heal the sick, in verse 8, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you have received, freely give it away. Now that's a command from God. So let me go to the average church and ask this question. This last week, maybe I ask you right here. I don't want you to hold up your hand. But right here in this church, how many of you, like I say, do not hold up your hand. How many of you preached the gospel to people this week? You know, like I say, think about that. Did I do that? Did I preach the gospel? Then the second command was, heal the sick. Did you heal anybody in the name of Jesus this week? You know, did you? Did you even attempt to do that? Most don't. Because most don't believe they can. And then the other one says, cleanse the lepers. Now, that's getting a little too far-fetched, isn't it? You know, to lay hands on a leper. I mean, that, I mean that's, uh, you know, we can't do that. That's what we believe. And then Jesus says, raise the dead. Do you know that Thursday morning, when we finally called the 911, and they sent the police out, we first called a funeral home, and they wouldn't do nothing without calling 911. So when they said, what time did Johnny die, we said 2.30. And they said 2.30 a.m. this morning. And we said, no, 2.30 p.m. yesterday afternoon. Well, what did you, why did you wait so long to call? Because we were praying and trying to raise him from the dead. So when the police get there, they want to know what kind of a sect we're involved with. Isn't that amazing? Christian people walk in and we're trying to do what the Word of God tells us to do and we haven't had any luck at it, but we've been after it. We've been praying. We're doing it. And they want to know what kind of sack we're involved with. They all kind of thought we were a little bit, you know, something wrong with y'all. This guy died yesterday and you think you're going to raise him from the dead? Well, this book says we're supposed to be able to do that. And if we're not able to do it, there's something wrong in the church in America today. But the church is supposed to be healing the sick, too. And all the churches I've been associated with all my life until I started this ministry, I hate to say this, but they've done a pretty lousy job of healing the sick. Pretty lousy. I've not done a very good job at it either. Not near as good as I want. So that means there's got to be a problem right here. When I taught the series on how to walk in God's anointing, I, I went back and dug up everything I could ever remember God had showed me what I needed to do if I was going to walk in His power. And I think it took me eight weeks to teach that series on how to walk in God's anointing. I believe there's eight of those. And I still didn't get them all. But I finally just quit after eight weeks. I thought, you know... If people in here will not do what I've told them to do in these first eight sessions, there ain't no use in me going no further. No use. The flesh is weak. This is what the Lord told us to do. 
heal the sick, cleanse the lepers. Of course, after he said, preach the gospel, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you have received, freely give. And a lot of people will tell you, well, but that was to the original disciples. That was not to us. But when I go to the end of Matthew, I can prove to you that's not true. When you go to the book of Matthew, chapter 28, you will find out here the Great Commission. And we'll see what he says. And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. I mean, you've got to realize that's a statement the king made. If all power in heaven and earth been given to him, that means all power. All. And then he says, So go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, and teach them, the new converts, to observe All things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age, or the end of the world. He had commanded them to go and preach the gospel. You know, in your workplace, or where you go day by day, are you willing to preach the gospel? Are you willing to be a light for the Son of God? Or are you not willing to talk about Jesus in the workplace? You know, it, I go back now and think about my last 30 or 40 years in the workplace and how I was uh, persecuted and ostracized and everything else because I was known as that religious freak. But do you know when one of them people needed an answer to prayer, you know who they went to? That religious freak. They didn't go to the guy that didn't talk about Jesus. You know, but whenever I was the religious freak or the guy that walked in the place, praise the Lord, how's everybody this morning? Can we have a prayer meeting this morning before we start work? What is wrong with this stupid idiot? I mean, what's wrong with him? And did you know it finally cost me my job as a, as a regional engineer? It finally cost me my job because I would not yield to the world. I would not stop signing emails, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I would not stop praying over people when I walked in. I'd say, Lord, thank you for these people. You can't pray over these people. What do you pray for? I asked the Father in Jesus' name to bless our company, to bless my people, to keep them free from the evil one, and to keep them safe so they don't get hurt. And I said, you notice I'm the only one in the whole company that don't put out all the placards and the signs and tell everything else about telling people how to be safe. I just pray over them. And I said, you go back and look at their record and see who has the best record of no injuries in this entire company. And you're going to find out it's my division. Mine. But I don't spend all the money and the time of HR putting all these silly little signs up all over, do this, do that. I just pray for them. And I had the safest bunch there was. But they still fired me. Praise God. I'm glad they did. You know, I am so glad that they did. Because I have been out now in the world preaching the gospel, healing the sick. I haven't cleansed any lepers yet. And I've only raised one from the dead. Only one. But I sure did want to see a second one the other night when we were all there praying. I wanted to see that. 
But for some reason, we didn't see it. So I know the problem's not with Jesus. I know he was standing in that room. And I know his heart was breaking just like ours was because he was saying, if you, could, if you would just have done this or that or whatever, if you would just humble yourself before me, if you would just say, Lord, we don't have any power at all except you. We are mere men. And we just say, Lord, here we are, your children, and you said in your word, you will do these things. I think about the other night when I went over and I prayed over a man. Well, there were was, was several of us, but, and a couple of us, two or three of us, done some praying. But my simple prayer to this guy was that needed healing was, Lord, you said in your word, freely you have given us this power, and freely we give it away. So I just laid my hands on him and said, be healed in the name of Jesus. That's all I knew to do. And before we left, the guy that couldn't see was seeing. And the next morning, he called Rosemary, and he was ecstatic about how wonderful, how he, he felt so good. He could see and everything else. And he could walk and everything. And all we did was a few of us went over after church the other afternoon, drove all the way from here over to way over in North Fort Worth just to walk in and pray for a man that we've never seen or don't know at all. But God did something that day. You know, I have one of the things I've learned before I go on in this message, we're going to take these testimonies, but one of the things I've learned in this, you have to humble yourself before God and say, God, this is just you. I'm a nobody. I've studied your word. All I can do is pray the prayer of faith. And when I pray the prayer of faith, then, Lord, it's in your hands. I can't do a thing. That's why you don't never see somebody come up here and me start screaming and hit them in the head and knock them down on the floor. I don't do that. I don't do that. I mean, you know, if, that, if that's your, that's the way you do business, that's okay. But that's not me. You know, I'm not a showman. And not that all those people are showmen. And not that God doesn't knock people down, because He does. But that's not what He's done for me. When people come up for me to pray with them, I just lay hands on them or whatever God says. And I say, you know, Jesus said, and I quote the word, and I let Him do His thing. And he does. And he heals many, many people. I mean, I think out there at GLC the other night, how wonderful it was. One of the little ladies, I made an announcement over the air. I said, you know, we're going to be here. We're going to be teaching the Word. And if you'll drive out here, we'll pray for you and God will heal you if you'll believe Him. Well, several people drove out. A little lady came out there on crutches. And she come up and when she walked up on her crutches... She said, sir, I know Jesus is the healer because he, I had a miraculous healing from him once before. Well, now see, somebody prayed the prayer of faith for her, but she had not really stayed in the Word enough to know what was rightfully hers. That's a major problem with the church today. We don't stay in the Word. We don't know the Word. Because if you really stay in the Word and know what the Word says, you won't have to come up here and ask me to pray for you. You'll have the faith to know it and stand on it for yourself. And that's great. That's the way it should be. Then, therefore, you should be out praying for others and teaching others and seeing God do great and mighty things. But this little lady walked up and she said, I want you to pray for me. I said, okay. I just reached up and touched her and said, be healed in the name of Jesus. I said, now do you believe God? She said, well, of course I do. I said, we're fixing to find out. 
She said, what do you mean? I said, do you believe he heals? She said, well, of course. I said, do you believe he does miracles? She said, of course. I said, okay, take your crutches out from under your arms, put them under your arms sideways, and walk out and carry them out and put them in your car. She looked at me. She said, right now? I said, so? Jesus said, according to your faith, be it done unto you. I said, can you believe that? She said, yes, I can. I said, okay, good. So she took them, put them under her arm, and she started walking off across there. And Al, the owner of the television station, he said, wow, look at this. She said, I couldn't have done this when I came in here. But she walked off carrying her crutches. And then we prayed for several other people, and we get ready to leave, and we stopped by the new library. Uh, Somebody gave Al a 50 by 125 foot building. They just got it built. The guy paid for it. And he said the other day they were, uh, I was telling him a wonderful thing about how God had sent a little additional money into our ministry here a while back from somebody I have no idea. You know, I got a, a mail uh, deal that had several thousand dollars in it, and it was cash, and had no name on it or nothing. Just the living, safer ministry, that's all. So I don't have a clue who that come from. But whoever it was, thank you, Jesus, for sending it, because it was really nice. But he said, uh, he went to the Lord and said, Lord, we need some extra money. We're running short on finishing out the new library and everything. And he said they went out on the back porch, and there was an envelope laying out there, and had $20,000 in the envelope. So they finished the library. Isn't that amazing? How God, God can take care of anything, you know. He's, He's an awesome God. He loves us beyond our wildest dreams. You know, and some people have faith for money like that, and then some people have faith for healings. And obviously, I started to say some have faith for raising the dead, but uh, there are not many of them. There's a, a very few people that I've ever heard of today that have raised the dead. And if they have, they haven't raised very many, like me, one. And my entire walk with God, with all the studying I've done, all the faith I've had, Ten years ago, I prayed to prayer of faith for one man, and he'd only been dead less than a half hour, and he'd come back to life. Well, I mean, I was pretty awestruck. I don't mind telling you, but I prayed the prayer of faith that night, expecting that man to open his eyes, and he did. And, of course, doctor said he couldn't recover. He'd be a vegetable. But, again, I told him, I said, Doc, those hands right there, Jesus said. Now, see, you get in trouble when you start quoting Jesus. I said, Jesus said, I can lay them hands on the sick and they'll get well. He didn't say they'd be a vegetable. And, of course, the doctor kind of rolled his eyes like that. And thought, oh, my. So, you know, he walked off. I mean, you know, what would you expect a doctor to think? He's trained in the medical field. Even if he's a Christian, the average Christian doctor don't believe in the power of God's Word. You know, I, fe- I found that out when I was over at Cook's Medical Center with Caitlin because nearly all the doctors except Dr. Marks would tell me they were Christians and they did go to church. But they did not believe in the power of God's Word. They didn't believe in it. I mean, you know, you ask them, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Do you believe the Bible? Oh yeah. Every word of it. Well, that's a lie. They don't. The reason I know they don't is because when I told them to pull the tubes out of her and she'd live, I guarantee it. Again, they kind of hung their heads And they pulled the tubes, and when she breathed two points over the machine and started coughing for an hour, they set her over her, and every time she'd cough, this statement would come out of their mouth. I don't believe this. I don't believe this. So, see, they didn't believe the promises of God. It's hard. The the better you are trained, 
I mean, just like Ty, he's a doctor, and he was telling me the other day when the Lord put him to that test, and that testimony he gave us the other day, which is an awesome testimony, he told me again just last night, we were talking about this, he said, if the other guy under there with him had been the one that's got the insulation in him, and he had started passing out and couldn't breathe, he said, I'd have prayed, but I'd have drug him out mother and took a knife and cut a hole in his throat so he could breathe. That's what you told me, right, Ty? That's what he told me. Because, see, we really, I mean, however you're trained, him being a doctor, trained, he wants to put a trach in there so you, he knows if he can cut in under that, you can breathe. So he's going to do what he's been trained to do. It's very difficult to walk in faith. And I think that's our major problem. I think our major problem is we want to do it our way. You know, I I don't know if the other night, if all of us had just backed off and said, Lord, we're just going to, we're just going to be silent for a minute. We're just going to praise you. We're going to thank you. And Lord, you told us that we're supposed to be able to raise the dead. Now, Lord, we know we don't do this. This is not us, but it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And right now, Lord, every one of us in this room want to die to ourselves. We want us to totally die. And we want you to be glorified. Now, Lord, there's 10 or 15 or whatever else there were. We're here. We're believing you. And we want you to raise Johnny from the dead and make him well. Because you said in your word, if we believe, you'll do it. So, Lord, we stand humbly in your presence. We're waiting for you to raise our loved one, Johnny, from the dead. And then if he'd have blinked his eyes and raised his head up and said, praise God. I wonder how many of us would have said, I don't believe this. Y'all know where I'm coming from, don't you? You know? I mean, what would you have said if you'd have been there? Praise the Lord. Amen. That's what you should say. Yeah, that's what we should have said. That's what we should say. But think about it. We were a little bit out there in left field, staying there all night and praying, and then all night the next night, even after he's passed away, everybody thought we were a little bit out there in left field. And some of you in this room today may think you guys were crazy. I mean, some do. Some of you probably think, well, you know, you guys are crazy. No, we believe, or let's put it this way, we are trying our best to believe these promises in God's Word. We want, to, we want so to see our King glorified. But here's what I'm still believing for. Now, you really must think I'm really, really nuts today. But today's the fifth day he's been dead. He died Wednesday at 2 30. I still believe God's going to raise him from the dead. I'm still standing in faith. I am not, I'm not giving up. I'm going to believe. And somebody said, well, I can believe with you till they put him in the ground. I said, you know, I'm not even going to put that kind of limit on God. I said, if they fly his body up to New Jersey and they have a funeral and they put him in the ground... I'm still going to be standing in faith saying, Lord, you said in your word, if I believed, you would do it. So, Lord, I don't care if they put him in the ground. I don't care if he's buried six foot in the ground. Somebody said, well, good grief. What God would never raise him from the dead so he could suffocate in a casket. That's where your faith is. If God raises him from the dead and he's been buried in a casket, and if he's been there a week, when God opens his eyes and raises him up, do you not think he could translate him through the ground and set him on top of the ground too? Now, see, that's where our faith is not. 
You know, we think, well, if, you know, if he's been dead for ten minutes, maybe God could raise him from the dead. But, you know, after he's been dead all day, you know, I mean, in good grief, you know, and after a full day, he's cold and rigor mortis is set in. You know, even God couldn't raise him from the dead now. Well, that's the way we believe. But it's time we get over that because when I read the book of Ezekiel, those poor people that were out there in Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Bones, I don't have any idea how long them people have been dead. But some of them may be years and years and years. And I can only see now when God walked up and said, Ezekiel, do you believe these dry bones can live? And he looked at me and said, oh, God, only you know. Now, is that putting you and me to the test today? We walk in and somebody's in the hospital and you say, do you believe God can heal that man? He's still alive and breathing. And he's able to talk and everything else. And they say, well, maybe if it's God's will, maybe he can. I mean, you don't have no faith. You have no faith whatsoever. But we can understand as flesh what happened when Ezekiel was told by the Lord, do you believe these people can live? Do you believe these bones can live? He said, oh, God, only you know. He said, speak to those bones. Well, what do you mean, Lord? He said, speak to them. And I used to wonder, why did God tell Ezekiel to speak to the bones? Because God has put men in charge on this earth, and he's limited his power to our spoken words. And so when Ezekiel spoke to the bones, he commanded bone to come to bone. Can you imagine that scene? As all them dry bones has come rattling across there. I mean, here's, here's a shoulder bone off... Uh, Keith, let's say Keith had died years ago and he's got a shoulder bone over yonder and a hip bone over yonder and there'd be drug all over the place. Well, it didn't just want any bone to come back together. Keith, it was your shoulder bone, your hip bone, your everything and it rattled across the ground and when he got through, your skeleton was standing up there. Now that's a pretty awesome scene, don't you? Can't you see that? This is the God we serve. This is the, this is the capability of Him to do things beyond our wildest dreams. And so... Then, all of a sudden, you're standing a, a whole big uh, army of skeletons standing. He said, now then, Ezekiel, why don't you command sinews and tissues and all this stuff, flesh, to come up on these? I can only imagine Ezekiel saying, wow, God. But he spoke it. And all of a sudden, right before his very eyes, he sees flesh and blood come up on those bodies. And here is an army of men standing there at attention. He said, now then, do you believe these men can breathe and live? And I can only imagine him, oh God, only you know with what I've seen. Lord, this is awesome. How would you like to get to see a scene like that? Oh, that would be awesome. Well, those men did live and they did breathe when he spoke. If God can do that to a group of dry bones... If we can find out exactly what it is that moves his hand and we can do it right, it's not going to be a problem to heal the sick. It's not going to be a pro- first. It's not going to be a problem to preach the gospel, because when your God gets that real, it'll be no problem preaching the gospel. I mean, it'll be no problem. You get people born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, that. You would normally never talk to. But when God becomes that real to you, it'll be no problem to preach. And then it should be no problem to heal the sick. We ought to walk through our workplaces. We ought to walk through the cities. We ought to walk through everywhere we go. We ought to be touching people in the name of Jesus. 
I mean, just like yesterday, there was a, a man there, and of course, uh, one of our men, he walked up to him, he starts talking, and I just told him, I said, reach up and lay hands on him and pray for him. He said, well, I don't, I don't even know what his problem is. I said, don't worry about what his problem is, just reach up and put your hands on him and say, be healed in the name of Jesus. Did Jesus tell us to just lay hands on the sick and they'll get well? Yes, he did. When you do that in simple humility, of simple, bold faith, humbling yourself before God, did you know I have seen him heal people that don't even know who he is? Don't even know who they are. They have no idea who God is. But in those, I have come to realize the simpler the prayer and the less I get involved with it, just speak it simple, the greater God glorifies himself in the miracles. Now, when I start trying to say a lot of things, talk to a lot of people, or whatever, or do something that's going to bring attention to me, God says, that you're trying to do it, not me. So it don't happen. But when I just walk up and say, Jesus said, He's in me. Freely He gave me this power. It's not me. I have nothing to do with it. I'm just going to touch you in the name of Jesus, and He's going to heal you because He promised it. And you reach up and say, be healed in the name of Jesus. And you, if you will do that, if you will walk in obedience to God's Word out there, you will get to see Him do some awesome things. But I don't know about you, but I want to see, since He told us not only to heal the sick, and I have seen thousands of people healed in the last few years. Thousands. Not one or two. And many of you in here that have listened to what I've taught, you went out and done the same thing, and many of you have seen multitudes of people healed. Many of you in this room have healed the sick. But virtually none of us have seen lepers cleansed. And virtually none of us have raised the dead. And there's something wrong. And the problem stands right here. You know, so if you stand up, you can say the same thing. So anyway, we're going to teach on some of those things here in just a minute. But I just wanted to whet your appetite just a minute and let you know what has happened this week. But I want you, if you can have the faith... I want you to stand with me and several other people in this church that's believing that Johnny is going to raise from the dead yet. I mean, I don't care if it's been five days. I don't care what. If God can put the bodies of Ezekiel dry valley, the valley of dry bones, if he can put them people back together and make them run and play, he can raise up Johnny and make him well. And he can use him in a mighty way. But it's going to take faith on our part. And I don't care. My confession is he's alive. He's not dead. Although the flesh looks like it's dead, he's going to live and not die. He, I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to stand in faith. And if people say, you know, you are the craziest man I've ever seen in my life, that's okay. You can say what you want to, but I'm going to believe Johnny is going to rise from the dead. And he's going to come back to this church. And him and his lovely wife's going to stand right here and they're going to sing praises to God again. But when it happens, we'll know who did it. It was the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the God of gods. And he glorified himself one more time by raising him from the dead. So there there will be people that if you will tell people you're believing that God can raise the dead, there will be people that will look at you strange. They'll give you a lot of room. You know, we found that out with the police department the other morning. They give you a lot of room. 
what kind of a sect are you involved with? Well, we're just Christians. We believe in Jesus. Uh, Oh, well, but what kind of a sect? No, we just believe in Jesus. Do you believe in Jesus? Well, yes, I believe in Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Okay, now then, who's got a testimony you want to tell us about? Jim, you got one? We'll, we'll still take several of them this today. If you got a testimony, come up here and tell us whatever the Lord has done for you this week or lately. Praise God. We didn't get to do this last week. I think so. And uh, I had a young man at my uh, work. He was one of our students at school. And I'd seen him a couple of times, got to know him a little bit. And uh, I have a break in the evening at 9.20 for my lunch break. And I went outside to check on your car while they were working on it. I headed up to school. And this little young man was sitting in this chair right outside the door in a, a little chair. And he had his leg all bandaged up. He looked like a mummy at this left leg. And he had crutches laying over there. I said, son, what happened to you? He said, oh, I was, you know how boys are. I was trying to get in this car on the passenger side. And they just took off. And they run over my leg, run over my ankle. And they tore all the ligaments around my ankle, my, my heel. And I said, are you a Christian? And he said, Yes, and I said, you've been to church up here since you've been to school? You know, most people's come out of town. I said, he said, no. I said, you could go with me. I said, uh, I go to a church in the evening. We pray over the sick and cast out devils and things like that. And I said, would you mind if I pray for your leg before I have to go back in my class? And he said, I don't mind. And, I, and there was just people sitting around. I didn't think nothing about it. And I didn't say anything weird. I didn't say anything great. I just laid my hand on the shoulder and said, in Jesus' name, that leg's going to get well real fast. And the ankle, and you'll be out walking around just in no time. And it'll be a whole lot better than waiting three to six months for it to get better. Because the way it was tore up. And I, did, I had to go back in the class. It was time to go. And I said, I'll, I'll see you in the morning or sometime soon. Check on it. And the next morning, I went back up there. At 8.30 in the morning, I was uh, work, still working on your car. And I looked over and that boy had his shoes back on, no crutches, and he was walking around and went, whoa, how about that? <laughs> and I said, I didn't do it. I, said, I didn't say anything special. I didn't cast any devil. It was just a little simple prayer. And after that, I thought, I could have said so much more. I said, I didn't do anything. And I, was, I said, I walked over and finally got to see him that afternoon. And I said, how are you doing, son? And he said, I'm doing a lot better. And I said, you seem like you got a little limp and... You told me the other day I should have prayed over that limp. And I said, well, if I get a chance to do that again, lately I've seen him, he seems to be walking fine. Amen. This Wednesday night, I've been, one of my students had had trouble going back and forth to work. His tire was bad on his motorcycle. And I took him, I went and got him and took him back and forth to school because he had one more day to lose and he would be out of class. He, he can only miss so much. And I talked to him for a while. We talked to him about guy stuff and then, I talked to him about church a little bit, and I started talking to him about it. I looked at him in the face, and I said, you're not saved, are you? He said, no. And I said, we started talking about that a little bit, and he was kind of needing to go. I said, "Whenever you, this weekend, I said, you're going to church with me. He said, I'll be glad to. The next night, he didn't show up at class, and I hadn't heard from him since. I'm sure the devil said, he ain't getting him. Mm-hmm. But I'm still praying over his name. is Kaipa Harris. And I believe the Lord was... Take the scales off his eyes. I command the devil to take the scales off his eyes. He, sees, he knows he's lost. Amen. I just claim his soul for Jesus' sake. And Amen. I ain't losing that boy because he didn't come to class. Amen. Amen. I just give Praise the king Lord. all the glory for it. Amen. I didn't glory do a thing. God. That's a good testimony, Jim. Praise the Lord. 
Amen. You got one too? This little lady, she wants to tell us something here too. Praise the Lord. Well, I got attacked by a great Dane on Monday, last Monday. But I'm not even hurting. And that devil's going to stay away because I'll make him. Amen. Now, that, she got bit on the arm by a great, big, great Dane. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. How are you doing, young lady? Great. I don't see Johnny dead. I just know he's not dead. He just went to visit with Jesus. And this is the prayer that the Lord has impressed on me. I've been praying for him and the other, you know, that you're praying. The kingdom of heaven is at hand in Johnny's life. And he is alive and he's going to be back. Because he's got huge calling on his life. It just doesn't make sense that he would be dead. It's just, just a little joke of a devil. So I ask you, please. Pray for him this prayer too, because it's a very powerful prayer. I can't remember which, you know which where it is, but I know it's in, in the Bible. The kingdom of heaven is at hand in Johnny's life. Amen. Okay. Thank Amen. You. Praise the Lord. We're definitely going to stay in faith. Come on, brother. Yeah, we are definitely going to stay in faith. Praise God. Believe the King. Well, I'm glad that you got fired because when you got fired from your job, you started making tapes. And one of those tapes ended up in the hands of my wife's dentist. She was having some real problems with one of her teeth uh, and a lot of pain. And he started praying for her according to the word that he had learned from some of her tapes. So we asked him where he had found out about that. And so he told us about you. So we ordered some of your tapes, started listening to them and uh, reading the scriptures. And by golly, that is what it says about the healing and the other things that are in the Bible. And we started believing that. And the main... Um, uh, health problem I had at the time is uh, about two years before that I had been diagnosed with glaucoma in my eyes and I don't know if y'all know what that is or not but your uh, optic nerve cells start dying and the uh, doctors really don't know why if you've got high pressure they think maybe that that's killing them and so they give you drops to use to get the pressure down well my pressure was okay my drainage ducts everything was okay so there's no reason for it and I thought even at the time in the natural that was kind of weird that uh, my optic nerve cells would be dying for no reason at all. Well, when we got to the tape about generational curses and those, uh, those sort of things, I realized that my dad had had uh, glaucoma and probably his dad beforehand, no telling how far back. So the light bulb went on and I realized what this was. This was a generational curse. This was a demon that was bringing glaucoma uh, symptoms and damaging my optic nerve. So I cast that demon out and broke those generational curses and did everything that I uh, knew to do and had learned to do up to that point. And uh, after a few weeks of listening to the tapes and studying the Word, uh, and the, the eye doctor had given me eye drops to take, even though my pressure wasn't high, but he says, well, just try to get it down as low as it can. Maybe that'll help. So I was taking those eye drops. And um, so after a few weeks of listening to the tapes and studying the Word, I thought, I can do this. Now I'm going to stop taking those eye drops. Well, uh, I've learned that uh, it's much, much better to have a miracle because miracles you have your healing and that's it. You know? But when you don't have a miracle, the, the battle of faith begins. And uh, I told God that when my miracle uh, or my healing was manifest that I would give him the glory and testify to it. And so that's what I'm doing now. And I'm hoping that this will be an encouragement to, to you who either have gone through this or, are going through, or will go through this. But the battle of faith began in my mind. 
Satan came against me and said, you fool, you're going to go blind if you don't take these drops, and on and on and on. It was a terrible battle. I lasted about three days, and I started taking the drops again. I realized I didn't have the faith yet. So faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So I got back. So I kept in the word even more, started memorizing scripture, listening to Thurman's tapes. In about a week to ten days, I've got the faith. I can do this now. I stopped taking the drops. I lasted about a week that time. Started taking the drops again. It was a horrible battle. Um, finally, on December 22nd, uh, 2004, and I've got it written down in my blue book, I said, uh, on this date, I've been healed of my glaucoma. Thank you, Jesus. And I wrote the date down. And I stopped taking the drops. And I knew I could do it. Um, and then the battle intensified. It was a six months battle, as it turned out to be. Uh, every day, I had to, to take these thoughts captive. Uh, Satan came against me in the mind, the battle of the mind, so bad. There were some days I had trouble even concentrating on my work because I was taking thoughts captive, rebuking Satan. Uh, it was terrible. I told my wife many times, I, this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, after about five months of this, and didn't take the drops, um, but uh, I told God, you know, this is hard. I need, I, I need a sign. I need something just something to keep me going because this is the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, the next night, we listened to one of Thurman's tapes. It was about the girl who was riding a horse. Uh, the horse fell. She broke her leg in seven places. I think some of the bones were sticking out and everything else. And she, she cried out to the Lord and quoted the word, and her leg was healed. The next night, I was pu uh, putting gas in the car. gas line was right here. I noticed something on the rear tire, and I stepped over to look at it. This foot, this uh, foot caught on the hose, and I tripped. I landed on the concrete, full body weight, on my elbow, uh, forearm, and uh, wrist. It started hurting right away, started swelling right away. I got up. My first thoughts was, I bet I fractured something. Uh, better get home fast and put ice on this thing. I'm going to have to go to the emergency room. I went in to pay for the gas, and I was in there. I realized the tape came to my mind, and plus all the word that we had been studying. I realized this is not what I should be saying. So I laid this hand on this arm. I said, it is written, by Jesus' wounds you are healed. Be healed, arm, in the name of Jesus. Immediately, the pain went away. By the time I walked back out to our van, which is just a few seconds, the swelling was gone. The arm was just like this. Praise the Lord. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. When I got home, about a ten-minute drive, these two fingers were feeling tingly and numb because I probably you know, uh, traumatized a nerve or something. I laid my on these two fingers, said the name of Jesus. It is written, by Jesus' wounds you are healed. Be healed, fingers. Immediately the tingliness and the numbness went away. That, this was at the five-month point. At the, a month later, this terrible battle going on in my mind still. And one day I sat down and I said, this has got to end. And I, and I said, um, you know, um, if... If I, if I do go blind, Jesus can heal me of the blindness. Amen. And I remember the scripture, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Amen. And I said, I'm committed. I am not going back to the drops. I am not going to doubt. I am committed no matter what. Now, it's easy to say that, but I meant it. Yeah. And I knew I meant it. God knew I meant it. And Satan knew I meant it. Amen. And that very instant, he left. There was, my mind was at peace. There was no more battle. He left. He fleed. It took six months, but he left. And I know the exact instant he left, 
I'll never forget it in my life. He left, and I was at complete peace. There was no more battle. Um, I was due to have an eye examination, uh, my regular eye examination, in a few weeks. I didn't want to go back to the doctor I'd been seeing because you talk about speaking death with your mouth. I mean, this man is Dr. Death when out his mouth. I didn't want to go back to him. Uh, the Lord reminded me we had a relative that uh, was uh, an eye uh, doctor uh, in Ohio, and we were going up in that direction for July 4th family get-together. He said, go see him because he needs to know what you know now. So I made an appointment, went to see him. Um, he set me down, was getting my history, and he said, anything, you're okay, right? And I said, well, actually, I was diagnosed with glaucoma a couple of years ago, but God's Word says that I'm healed of that, and so I don't have glaucoma anymore. And he said, well, let's take a look. So he dilated my eyes, looked in there, he said, I don't see any signs of glaucoma in your optic nerve. Let me give you a field of vision test where you look at the lights and they check to see if you've lost any vision. About a year before, I'd had one of those, and it already showed vision loss. So he gave me the latest computerized uh, uh, field of vision test. It printed it out. He looked at it, and his exact words were, it's perfect. You have absolutely no loss of vision. But he said... Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. He said, uh, but, but I am not a glaucoma specialist. I'm going to pull some strings, because I was from out of town, and get you into the, the, send you to the glaucoma specialty clinic tomorrow. They will do a laser scan on your optic nerves. This is the latest definitive test to take a picture of your optic nerve, and that will show any damage or any abnormalities in your optic nerve or not. So I, I went. I didn't want to go the whole time. I said, I don't need this guy. But he said, no, you don't need it, but the man who sent you over here needs to see this. So I had the laser thing done. They gave, gave me the, the graph thing. I took an envelope back to him. He brings it out. He says, you see this purple line here? It's kind of like a graph. He says, this wide purple line right here, this is normal optic nerve range. This is your line, and it's all within the normal range. So he says, we've given you every latest test we know how to test for glaucoma, and you have no symptoms of glaucoma whatsoever. So I just praise God, and I hope that uh, I'm giving this testimony because I told God I would. And I hope it's an encouragement to any of y'all who are fighting this battle of faith. And I just encourage you, no matter what, do not give up. Amen. And Satan will flee. Amen. Praise the Lord. Wow. What a testimony. Man, that's glory. Now, that's, that's the kind of fight of faith you need to get in. You need to be able to do that. Praise God. Great. Anybody else? Anybody else? We got any testimony? This is a testimony of appreciation, and I cheated about two weeks ago, Thurman, because in spite of the results I get with other people, with myself, I had a tooth that was acting up, an infection. And the jaw infection is really hard in the world to deal with. And I'd been praying, and, and it wasn't happening. I drink even normal room temperature water and react to it. So I decided to come here, and I was going to have you pray with me and, you know, get it done. And, you know, I'd like to know I could do it myself. That's pride. But I said, I'm going to do it. So I'm standing here. And, of course, you have your long line. And, you know, I'm impatient. So there's Cheryl over there. I said, hey, will you pray for me? Pray with me in agreement. Sure. And just the most wonderful prayer. She just, and instantly I felt it. But the real test is, all right, what's happened afterwards? I have had no sensitivity ever since that one prayer. It was immediate. And it is held. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your obedience. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.
Amen. It's testimony afternoon. Praise yes. the King. Um, Glory to God. We were going to give this one last week, but uh, there were other plans. So, anyways, we we still want to give God the glory, and uh, so it was oh, show and tell. <laughs> oh, okay. Just just for this is actually kind of big for Brietta, but this is the, the diapers that they're using on her right now. <laughs> they do fold them over to make them a little bit smaller. You know, it's not like a bikini or anything. It's like big. <laughs> Isn't that a giant diaper? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But um, sorry. Okay. So, anyways, um, not last Wednesday. Wednesday before last, um, the hospital called us at about 5:15 in the morning, and they said, um, "Your daughter's coding. You need to come up here. How long before you get here?" And I didn't even bother to ask what coding was. When the doctors call you at 5:15 in the morning and says you need to get up here, you figure it's not good. Um, so I told them, well, we're about 45 minutes away, and they said, well, just come as quick as you can. Now, um, what we found out later is that coding can be many things from, um, basically, they're not going to call you unless there's a very good chance that your child is not going to live. So they want you there when the child dies, just because most people want to be there when their child dies. Um, so I got off the phone with them, and I immediately ran to her room. I got her up. Um, and we just, I said, the, the hospital called. Excuse me. <laughs> and um, I said, we just both need to get on our knees. So we got on our knees and we rebuked that spirit of death because we knew, we knew that's what they were calling about. And uh, we rebuked that spirit of death and we praised the Lord and just asked him to just heal her and get everything up and to guide the doctor's hands. And so we um, quickly got our clothes on, jumped in the car, and um, the ne- did the next best thing. We called Thurman and Cheryl. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The best thing. I mean, you know, it's always. I mean, you know, we we had prayed, and uh, you know, we weren't. I wasn't driving like a madman or anything. I wasn't. I wasn't. You know, we obeyed the yeah. speed limit. We didn't want to Amen. <laughs> um, but we, you know, we called Thurman and Cheryl and uh, told them what had happened, and they came in agreement with us and prayed that uh, she would be okay. And uh, so we just kept driving. And uh, several minutes later, after we'd gotten off the phone with Sherman there, and the, the doctor called us back and said, she's okay, take your time, come on in. So we were just praising the Lord, and she has been continually getting better ever since. But just, Lord, just answer that prayer. Amen. Praise the Lord. I just wanted to thank all of you how grateful we are for all your prayers. Amen. I will have to say, now before you clap, I won't have to say too that when they called us at 5.30 or whatever it was, the first thing Cheryl did as soon as I got off the phone told her what it was, she got up and got the phone and she started calling everybody. So there was many of you got a call early in the morning. And so now it was corporate prayer of all of us and not just one. You know, that's the thing we need to know, James, that God hears those prayers of ours that are obedient and He moves. And a little girl that they thought was going to die now is doing great. Because they, they, they gave her basically, I mean, they do CPR on the little babies with one or two fingers. depends on how big your finger is. And they normally don't do it this long, but they, they had to give her CPR for 16 minutes. So I don't know what point they called her, but they, they normally do not try to um, recess, you know, do it for that long. So we know that once they called us, God brought her back to life and, and just got her going. Um, just real quick, what, what Thomas said, corporate prayer, one of the nurses up there, it's, it's been, not that I want to be at the hospital, but it has been a blessing. that those doc, they, they have believe in doctors. They, you know, <laughs> one of the doctors told her, you know, she, she is an instrument of God. 
and she knows that they, she doesn't know anything. She actually told us, you know, I'll tell you the worst, and your baby's going to die. But she said, don't believe me. You know, just keep loving that child and keep believing. So that has been a blessing to see people of faith there at the hospital also. And the nurse, speaking about corporate prayer, um, one of the nurses um, that signed up to be I guess, baby, buddy. baby buddies is, is basically a nurse's way of saying that, you know, when I'm on duty, I want to be assigned to this child. So she's got about four baby buddies. Um, but she told us, she gave a testimony in, in Brittany, Brietta's room that, um, you know, they, she had a child, and that child, they had done everything they could for her from a, from a worldly physical point of view and that child was just dying and the parents were there and the parents said what else can we do and the nurse said there's nothing else we can do you just need to go pray so the parents went off and um, I don't know exactly how long it was but then the baby started coming back they had done nothing and so the nurse after everything got stabilized went to find the parents to let them know that the baby was okay she found the parents in the waiting room with 20 other people from their church praying holding hands that's what the brought that child back, and that's Amen. what that nurse testified Amen. to give God's glory. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. I'm telling you, when we, as the body of Christ, really get a hold of the fact that God does answer prayer. And, of course, He answers prayers of faith. So if you can get 10 or 15 or 20 people together, then believe He's going to do what He said because He does love us. When you get a group of people, 10 or 20 believers, you're going to get one or two that's really believers. You know, chances are. You know, now, that might not always be the case, you know, unfortunately, because unbelief is so powerful in the church today. Unbelief. What, honey? Oh, well, they've already heard about that once, I guess, but... You know, the, I mean, I've had two attacks uh, after, after I prayed for the Mormon doctor out in Salt Lake. Some of you may not have heard this. Uh, I, I prayed a prayer of faith on a Sunday night uh, five or six weeks ago for a man that called me at 10 o'clock at night, which is a doctor. And he was out there in Salt Lake City, Utah, and he had fell out of a tree 35 feet up and broken his back. Now, they had care-flighted him out of the mountains, done a CT scan on him, and confirmed his back was broken. But he went home. They took him home, put him in bed in excruciating pain, and at 10 o'clock at night, on Sunday night, he called. And I prayed the simple prayer of faith for him and guaranteed him the king of the universe, his name is Jesus, would heal him and do a miracle healing on him. And I'm telling you, and it just instant. I mean, the minute I thanked the Lord and made those statements, hung the phone up, the guy was instantly healed. I mean, he got out of his bed, would, could walk, bend over, touch his toes, run up down the stairs, reached down, picked up his little son, carried him up and down the stairs. The guy was completely healed. And so then when we came back from out there, obviously I stirred up a Mormon demon. Because evidently those Mormon demons didn't like what I'd done. Because I walked into those homes preaching to those people. I got a man that's been miraculously healed sitting here. And I'm telling them it wasn't the Mormon Jesus that healed him. But it was the Jesus of the Bible. And the Jesus that I preach and Lucifer were not brothers like your Mormon Bible teaches. I taught them a lot of things they didn't like to hear. But I taught them right out of the Word of God. And I don't stand, you know, I'm not apologetic for that. I will not apologize for the Word of God. I'm going to tell you, this is what Jesus said, and I'm going to stand on it. And he said, if you do, you're going to be persecuted. Well, see, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I came back from up there on Wednesday. Sure, and I did. 
And then the next Sunday evening after church, I felt great. Never felt better in my life, just like I do right now. But Sunday night, about 11 o'clock, I'm out at the minister center reading emails. Now, I realize that some of y'all leave church Sunday and go out to eat and then you go home and go to bed at 10 o'clock. You know, but I don't do that. I usually stay up till 1 or 2 reading emails or answering them or whatever. And that's what I was doing. And all of a sudden, my left leg became a fire. And so I pulled my britches leg up, pulled my boot off, and pulled my sock down. And I had a section of my leg that long. That was solid red all the way around. Had big red places that looked like blood blisters that looked like if you'd have touched one of them, blood would start running out. It looked awful. And I said, I rebuke you, devil of hell, in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to let you do this to me. And I just put my sock and shoe back on and went back to work. Well, the next morning when I woke up, I told Cheryl, I said, honey, I said, you go by the end of the bed there. Won't you throw the cover back off my foot and see what my left foot looks like? She said, what's wrong with it? I said, well, last night I had a little attack from the enemy. Well, she did. She threw the cover back and looked at my left leg, and she said, my goodness, it looks awful. And, of course, then she jumped on it and grabbed it and began to rebuke the devil and command the devil to come out of me. Now, that's the kind of woman you want to be married to. You don't want to be married to one that runs and says, Oh my gosh, let me go get the phone. 911, Doc, we need an ambulance quick. That's not the kind of woman you want to be married to. You want to be married to one that knows the demonic world. And so she was casting them demons out of me. And so then I called my doctor, you know, up here and told him, I said, You know, I want you to pray for me. He said, What's wrong? I said, Well, I've had a little attack. My left leg's blood red. He said, I'm coming out there to see it. I said, No, 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 no. You don't need to come. You live a long ways from me. I said, just pray for me. He said, nope, I'll be there in a little while. So they came out in a little while. And then Eldon, he came out. Him and Nancy came out. They all came out. And, of course, we got me in my office and laid hands on me, rebuked the devil and everything else. And it took about, of course, you know, Ty, he's really encouraging. He said, if you were a normal man, I'd have you in a hospital with surgery immediately if you were a normal man. But he said, I know you're a man of faith and you ain't going. I said, that's right. I'm not going. He said, we both know this is an attack from the devil. And I said, yes, and we're going to overcome him with the word. And so we fought the battle. And it took a few days. And, of course, my leg got down back normal again and everything. And, of course, uh, uh, a couple weeks later, it come back. I mean, that devil come back and my leg wasn't quite as bad this time. But I called him again and told him what happened. And Cheryl said there's also a red streak running from all the way from his leg all the way up to his groin. He said, good grief, that's blood poison. So we prayed. And the next morning, early he called. I don't think about 7 o'clock because he gets up real early. He said, how's your leg this morning? I said, well, I've already been up and looked at it. And I said, there's absolutely no red streak. He jumped up and down, screamed, said, that's a miracle from God. He said, only God could have taken that blood poison out overnight out of your leg. He said, feel and you're going there and see if it's all swelled up. I felt all up and down there, everything. I said, no, where that red streak come and terminated right there, there's no swelling, no softness, no pain. No, no. He said, that's another miracle from God. And he began to jump up and down and praise the king. So see, these are the battles we're fighting, right? These are the battles we're fighting. And it's hard to fight the battle of faith when it's your body, isn't it? Just like he told us. But if you stand on this mighty word with no doubt in your heart, today my leg is perfect. You know, I mean, it is perfect. You know, there's no swelling. This morning I woke up, there's no swelling in my leg. 
you know, it's perfect. There's no discoloration. Everything is perfect. But I've stood by faith. Well, let me tell you. I stirred up a demon when I got a Mormon doctor healed in the Mormon church. That devil didn't like what I'd done. So let me tell you. If you haven't figured it out yet, there is a host of demons out here that's retaliating against us that's going to do the work of God. And just like this brother right here said, whenever that glaucoma, when that problem started, that battle in his mind, he only made it a very little short period of time. And then he said, I'm going to make it. And he'd repent and he'd start over again. But it's not easy to fight the fight of faith, is it, brother? It is not easy, especially when it's your body. And especially when your doctor is telling you this is life-threatening. Men have died with blood clots in their legs don't look near as bad as this one. Men have died. Well, it's a good thing we're men of faith. So if you're a man, and of course that second time it come back, you know, I'm just like y'all. You know, I'm just like everybody else. I'm sitting there laying there on the bed. Of course, number one, you know, Cheryl said, get in that bed. Your doctor says, Ty, he said, get in that bed, elevate your foot, and take some rest. I said, I'm going to get me a new wife and a new doctor. (laughs) I said, y'all won't let me go do nothing. I said, you know why it is? They love me. That's why. They love me. And so there I was laying there on the bed. You know, Cheryl's overworking the stuff, and Ty, he's gone home, and now I'm all by myself, just me and God, see. They've done all they can do for me. You know, they knocked me in the head, put me in the bed, tied me down. I can't get out of bed. I've got to lay there with my foot elevated. And here I am, a man of faith, you know, and it's in the middle of the day. And when I need to be out working or doing something, I'm laying in the bed my foot up. So I said, Lord, I've heard everybody else say all these things today. Now I sure do need a word from you. I reached over. I had my Bible laying right there because I'd been reading it. And I had it closed like this, and I said, Lord, I sure do need a word from you. And I just throwed it out on the edge of the bed. I mean, right there beside me, and it just bounced, fell down, and fell open just like that. My eyes fell right there, and it fell right on Matthew eight seventeen, where Jesus said, Himself, I bore your sickness, and I removed your disease. Yeah. <laughs> So you ask God for you ask God to speak to you, He will speak to you. You don't have to hear an audible voice every time. You have a more sure word of prophecy when it's the word of God. You stand on the word and you will see the glory of God. Is that not right? Amen. You stand on the word. Now then I'm going to read a scripture to you. We've we've taken up uh, the day, we've had a good day. But I'm going to read a scripture to you, and this is what we're going to talk about next week. Now, we got communion today. We're going to take communion here in just a minute. But this is going to be the, uh, of course, I'm going to go a lot of places uh, besides right here in this one thing. But Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. I'm going to start with verse 8. Well, I'm going to start in verse 7. Verse 7 of Hebrews 5 says, Who in the days of his flesh, 
we are in the days of our flesh, you and me, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Now, I know all y'all are just like me. You really enjoy suffering. Don't you? Does anybody like suffering? No. Unfortunately. And verse 9 says, In being made perfect. Now, how many of you like to be made perfect? Now, I, I, that's, I do like that. I don't like what it takes to get there. But, And being made perfect... He became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. You think that problem's still there for the church today? Is the church still dull or hard of hearing? Obviously we are. Because we don't hear what God says. We need to start hearing. Because he said, because you are dull or slow in your hearing. For when, for the time, you ought to be teachers. You have need that someone teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles or the word of God, and are become as some need of milk and not as such have such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. We're so dull in our hearing, we're still only able to take milk. I think about did y'all see that little teeny diaper a while ago? Is that the teeniest diaper you ever seen in your life? I never seen a diaper that but I went over and laid hands on that precious little girl the other day and she would almost fit in the palm of your hand. That's how tiny she weighs. She weighed about two pounds. But I think of those beautiful little fingers and toes. She's a perfect little girl. But she's just a teeny, teeny little thing. Wow. Think. That little girl can't even nurse milk yet. they got to feed her mama's milk directly into her stomach. She's not even able to nurse. She's so tiny. She's almost three months premature. Now, this is one case right here that God could do a miracle, but he uses wonderful Christian doctors and nurses to take care of that little girl. Without people that know what they're doing, that little girl couldn't live. Without serious people of great knowledge in what to do, God would have to step in and do some kind of a serious miracle. Otherwise, that little girl would already be dead. But because of those wonderful people that's helping and because of the knowledge they have learned over the years. And the years and the thousands of hours they've studied, they've learned how to do these kind of things. And so they learn how to help. There is some good Christian doctors and nurses out there. There's no two ways about it. There definitely are. But he says in verse 12, For when for, when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles, the first principles of the oracles of God, the Word of God, and all become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. 
How would you like to sit down every time you sit down to eat? The only thing you could eat would be a glass of sweet milk. That's the only thing you had. Can you imagine you come in one afternoon and somebody has grilled a great big beautiful sirloin or a T-bone? You know, and that thing smells so good and they got the barbecue sauce on it and everything. And to think you, because you have no teeth, you cannot chew that piece of steak. So you can't eat it. You're going to have to drink a glass of milk. Now that'd be sad, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'd hold, I mean, I'm so glad that I've got teeth, you know, that I can chew that steak because boy, that stuff tastes good. It's really good. So, this, it, but it doesn't even compare to the meat of the Word. doesn't even compare. But it says here, For everyone that uses milk is unskilled in the Word of Righteousness. If you use milk, you're unskilled in the Word of Righteousness. For you are a babe, just a baby. I was a baby. I was a baby like little Brietta in the Word of God for many, many, many years of my life. What a shame. You know, that little girl is beautiful and precious, but we don't want her to stay little like that, do we, Brittany? We want her to grow up and be a beautiful young lady just like you. We don't want her to stay little teeny like that. We want to see her growing every day, don't we? Yes, we do. Well, that's the way God wants us to be in His Word. He does not want us to get saved and say, well, I got saved, so now then I can't wait till I get to heaven. But that's the way so many of us are. That's the way I kind of was. I didn't realize the game plan that was set aside for me and you here on this earth and what we're supposed to be doing. So I really didn't know the word. So I was still a babe. But he says, now then, but strong meat... Belongs to them that are of full age. Strong meat. Not just old mushy stuff. I mean, that's them good sirloins and good T-bones. That's good stuff, right? Man, I love to reach up and take one of them big old T-bones or sirloins, cut all the meat off of it I can get, and then just take that bone. The other night we was out there, we had one of them great, big, beautiful sirloins. I mean, with that big old beautiful uh, steer that we killed just recently... I took him over and fed him out for us and fed him grass and corn and I don't know what all. And boy, is that guy good. Ooh, he's good. Everybody in the minister center has enjoyed that meat. We're all nibbling on that. Well, we cut that off and Cheryl said, wow, look at that big bone. Angel, her dog said, she'll love that bone. I said, Angel ain't getting that bone until I chew that bone first. I'm eating the meat off of that bone first. And then Angel could have what's left. But Angel had a great time with what's left. I'll say that. She... Never had so many bones in her life. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age. Strong meat of the Word. The good stuff. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now then, if you're in the church and you're not able to discern good and evil, you're still a babe. If you're still lying, cheating, committing adultery, fornicating, watching secular television, listening to secular radio, if you're feeding your mind and your heart and all of that stuff, 
you're still a babe in Christ and you're on milk. When you get a hold of the Word, I mean when the Word of God becomes a revelation to you and what's going on on this earth, you'll turn off all the nonsense. You won't read no more secular magazines. You won't look at no more pornography. You won't ever steal no more. You won't ever lie no more. You won't ever think about you adultery, living with a woman out of wedlock and be a church member. Forget it. You're so dead, you don't have a clue what's going on. And there's too many people in a church that are doing those things. But those are babes in Christ. They definitely have never learned how to discern good and evil. Now look what he says in chapter 6. Therefore, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, and of the laying on of hands, and of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permits. Now then, if God will permit me to do this in the next few weeks, I'm going to begin to teach you something that's way beyond where you've normally lived. And some of you are absolutely going to think, I have lost my mind. I can assure you. But I'm going to teach it to you right out of the book. And it is so complex. And I've made this statement to people several times in healing schools. I said, you know, when I first started teaching that Jesus was a healer in the Baptist church. They all thought I was crazy. That's one of the basic principles of the atonement. Jesus healed you before He went to the cross. That's part of the atonement. But the average Christian can't grasp that. But then when I stepped over into the world of faith and said, you know, you don't have to be sick no more. Not only do you can, can you learn the principles that you need to learn and receive your healing from God, but you can go a step beyond that and you can step into the realms of divine healing and you won't have to be sick no more. You ought to read some of the things that's come to me on the internet. And some of them are doctors of theology from seminaries. You have absolutely lost your mind. You think that it's possible for a human being to walk without sickness and disease? You are misinterpreting the Word of God. Well, let me tell you, that's simple, basic stuff compared to what I'm going to teach you in the future. And I'm going to show you from the Word what it says. And then it's going to be so profound that many of you are going to say, just like I did the first time I saw some of these scriptures, this can't be. It can't mean what it says. But that's almost what I said when I first learned that Jesus was a healer. When he revealed to me he was a healer. He heals. He still does miracles today. Come on, Thurman. You know that's not right. In fact, I had a man one day that was my neighbor, which was a church of Christ, just to show you how simple, on the simple things, the basic things... This man walked up. I was out building fence one day. 
And this guy walked up. And I said, praise the Lord, brother, how you doing? Oh, he said, I'm doing okay. How, how are you doing? I said, man, I'm absolutely magnificently wonderful, but I'm rapidly improving. He said, wow, why are you so fired up? I said, because Jesus is doing great things. He said, like what? So I began to tell him about some of the miracles. He looked at me and said, come on, Thurman. You know that stuff don't work no more. I said, well, how about your own neighbor? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, I prayed for Fred Simmons a few weeks ago in church, the Baptist church. He had, I, I forgot what kind of cancer I said, but it wasn't what he had. I thought it was something, it turned out to be he had prostate cancer. I just said he had something else. I don't remember what I said. And I said, you know, I prayed for him and God healed him. He said, now look, Thurman, I know you're crazy now. He said, because Fred Simmons didn't have that kind of cancer, he had prostate cancer. And if you had healed him, you would have at least known what he had. I said, well, I didn't heal him. I just got to lay hands on him and pray for him. God healed him. I didn't know what was wrong with him. All I knew, he had cancer. And all I know is the next morning, he goes to the doctor for his check. And the doctor checks him. And he's totally well. He said, Thurman, that's a lie. That doctor made a mistake. He, didn't, he made a mistake when he did the diagnosis the first time. And there never was no cancer in him. If I've caught that kind of persecution, just talking about the simple things of healing, when I go into what God's revealed to me in the Word now, you're going to talk about meat. I'm going to feed you a T-bone steak. <laughs> healing is simple. That was milk. But I'm going to feed you some meat in the weeks to come that some of you are going to say, this guy's lost his mind. It's interesting, isn't it? But we're going to leave the doctrines of the principles of the doctrines of Christ and the basic things of the healing of the body. And we're going on to perfection. Now we're going to see this brother here had all kinds of problems walking in the fight of faith. But you conquered it finally, didn't you? Look how hard it was for him to conquer that. You heard him give his testimony a while ago. But he conquered a fight of faith. And there is people today in seminaries that if I were to tell them a a story like that, they'd say, Thurman, that guy's lying. That don't work. That kind of stuff don't work no more. And they'd think I'd lost my mind. But that's simple compared to what I'm going to teach you in the future. That's easy. That's the basic milk stuff of the word. Basic milk. But I'm going to feed you some T-bone steak. And it's so powerful. Dave and Anayesha talked about it last night. Some of the things. Just the basic principles. And I just went in there last night with Dave. I said, Dave, let me just ask you a question. And I gave him a scripture. I said, I want you to read that. And I want you to tell me what you think it says. And he did. After a little while, after he meditated on it, he said, Thurman... If that means what it says, this is something else. I said, yeah, that's where I'm going. That's where I'm going to go. I said, I am tired of trying to teach people how to just walk in healing. I want to teach you what God says, not only about walking in divine health, but going a step beyond divine health. Isn't that amazing? I mean, what do you think? Let me just give you, just think about this. What do you really think God meant when he said 
in Psalm 103, verse 5. I satisfy your mouth daily with good things, so your youth is renewed daily like the eagles. Do you really believe that? Why do you believe that? It's written in the Word. So why do we as Christians, somebody said, how are you doing? Oh, I sure am getting old. I sure do feel bad today. Oh, look at them wrinkles under my eyes. I'm just aging so terrible. Do you know when you tell me those kinds of things, you don't believe Psalm 103, verse 5? If somebody walked up to you today and said, how are you doing? Say, praise God, I'm younger today than I was yesterday. Now, how would you like to get... Hey, Gary, how would you like to walk there, son? Hey, you like that, don't you? Well, that's just a little tiny corner of what I'm going to begin to teach you what you can do. I think that we as Christians should become the most vibrant, alive, warring group of people that are walking in such anointing with God. If we will do what He says, I'm going to tell you the aging process can stop. You not only you liked that too, didn't you, Cheryl? Absolutely. Wouldn't it be wonderful? I know Cheryl. I mean, you ladies would love it. You, you girls get to be 100 and you still look like you're 50 or 40. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Or 20. Now just think. Jesus said, according to your faith, be it done unto you. So if he said in his word, just to, just to start out, I renew your youth daily like the eagles. What are you going to confess? I'm old and wore out. Or I'm younger today than I was yesterday. Now you notice what this brother said. He stood and fought the fight of faith and it didn't happen overnight. See, now everybody loves it when a miracle happens instantly, don't they? You know, you love it. You got a miracle. She got, several of you in this room have had miracles. We love that. But just think, can you imagine what would happen if somebody walked up to you and say, Melanie, how old are you? Oh, I'm only 95. They say, wow, you look great to be 95. How did you do that? By standing on the Word of God. By standing on the Word of God. You look at this beautiful woman and she looks like this and she's 95? You, how hard is it going to be for us to preach the gospel to those people? It ain't going to be, especially for women, right? Let me tell you, it ain't going to be hard to teach it to men either. When men see that, Ellen, it's easy to believe when you see, see that this is where I believe the church is supposed to be walking. I don't believe we ought to just be walking in healing. And we're not doing a very good job on that yet. But we're going to get better there too. And I don't believe we ought to just be walking in divine health. I believe we ought to be taking care of our bodies. And I believe our fingers and our hands ought to be smooth and straight. And our skin ought to be smooth. And we ought to be walking. And we ought to look like we're still young and vibrant. And I don't care if you're 80 or 90 years old. You ought to be able to get out there and go. And somebody says, good grief, look at that guy go. Wow. Boy, he must be at least 50. Oh, what do you mean? I, I know him personally. That guy's 85. That's where I believe the church ought to be living. Amen. And like I say, as I teach you these things from the Word, the very first simple thing is, He renews your use daily like the eagles. Do you believe that or not? Amen. Then your confession is going to say, you will never rise above your confession of the Word. If you say, oh, I'm old. I can't do anything anymore. You don't believe the Word. You don't believe it at all. But whenever I walk up to you, like this brother here, 
Praise God, it's done. I mean, when he made that final declaration to God and the devil and to mankind, it's done because it's written in the Word. The devil left him. When the devil left him, you saw the diagnosis from those reports by the finest laser machines they got. His eyes are perfect in the name of Jesus. Now, see, that's where we need to be walking. Now then, you could have yielded to the devil, and the devil could have blinded you. Do you know what the average person says when they go in and the doctor says, you got glaucoma? They start running out and tell their wife. First, oh, what the doctor says, I got glaucoma. Pray for me. She says, oh, God, if it be your will, will you please help my husband? No. And then what does she do? Go tell all her friends, my husband's got glaucoma, and I just know he's going to go blind. Will you all please pray for him? I just know he's going to go blind. Will you please pray for him? There is no faith in nothing, and you go blind. But that's not where God called us to walk. He called us to walk in a mighty place of youthful power. And as we walk in it, people are going to say, Who is this woman? Who is this man? I mean, who's going to, who's going to listen to you if you're 50 years old and you're sick and afflicted? But if you're 90 and you look like you're 50, and you're strong as a bull ox and you do anything you want to do, and you're still beautiful and smooth-skinned and everything else... Everybody will want to know what you got. And when you tell them it's Jesus, you know their first words? I want to know who this Jesus is. I want, and it's going to be no problem to give the gospel to the people we walk with when they see where you walk. And that's what I'm going to teach you. Now we're going to take communion. Let's pass out the communion. Yeah, brother. Yeah, Bob. Sir? Yeah, yeah, come up here. While we're ta- they're passing out. They're going to pass out communion. If you've got a testimony, Bob, come on up here. It's not real. Well, I guess it is a testimony, but it's about the power of the tongue and, and speaking positive. And I shared this with, with Thurman, uh, I think, the last time I was here. Um, at work, I'm, I'm almost 70. I'll be 70 in March. And, and uh, I've always been healthy. I'm still healthy. You know, I don't go to doctors. All that kind of stuff. But anyway, people say at work they'll say, "Well, you you're getting to be an old man." I says, "No, I'm not." I says, "I may be 70 years old." I said, "But the word says I give you a long life." And I says, "I'm claiming another 50 years at least." And I says, "If I like it, what's going on at the end of that 50 years, I'm going to claim another 50 years." Amen. And that's my confession. Amen. Amen. See, that's what you have to do. Bob's learning the truth. He's walking in it. And he's learning how to confess. And, of course, one of the things you've got to learn is how to talk. That's going to be one of the requirements. It's absolutely. And Melanie said something here a while ago. Uh, she's gone now. She's here. Oh, he's up here. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry. Praise the Lord. Yeah, Jim. Do what now? Yep, yep. But anyway, I mean, like I say, some of the things that we're going to talk about, I've talked a little bit about them in healing schools, and I've had people that call me back say, I would certainly like to know more about this subject that I've heard you mention a couple of times on your tapes. Well, I've decided to talk about it in detail in the next few weeks. So we'll see. We'll see where your faith is. Yes, brother. Uh, I was going through the healing scriptures with my brother. 
hold it, hold it just a second. Let me. I, I think they're still running the tape. I don't know if they are or not, but anyway, people can't hear you regardless. So, when you uh, went to Psalm 103, I was going through the healing scriptures with my brother-in-law one day, and of course, he had all the re- rebukes about this only applied 2,000 years ago. Um, I, I was going through the uh, healing scriptures with my brother-in-law a few weeks ago, and he had all the rebuttals about well, it only. Um, was good 2,000 years ago and all those things. I got to Psalm 103, about 103.3, he forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. And I said, what do you think that one means? And he paused and thought, and he said, sounds like it, it means he heals all our diseases. And I saw, I saw the light go on. I saw, okay, finally the door is open a little bit. The Word is what does it, isn't it, brother? The Word. I mean, he forgives all of our iniquities or sins. Aren't we glad of that? He heals all of our diseases. Aren't we glad of that? Now then you come down to the point. Do you believe that? And most people don't. Most people do not believe and they will not trust God. They will. What, honey? One more thing. All right. Praise it. Cheryl wouldn't let me wait till next Uh-oh. week. Okay. Yesterday we got a call from the doctor and they wanted to do a spinal tab on her baby. The Lord just told me wait 24 hours and... James was in agreement with that. And so we went in last night and talked to the doctor and asked lots of questions. And so this morning we got up. When I called the doctor, they said they didn't want to do it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yes, yes, I got one. Eldon, thank you. What, what does the corporate prayers of the body of Christ do? It moves the hand of our King. So when you pray... You don't pray, Lord, if it be your will, when it comes to healing. I mean, not with a king that bore our sickness and removed our disease and gave us power over the devil 2,000 years ago. You don't never pray, God, if it be your will. You know what his will is. And, of course, if you don't know that, in the next few weeks, we'll talk about some of those mighty scriptures, and I will show you what God's will is. One of the things, whenever he, the leper, the leper came to Jesus in Mark, I think it's in chapter 1 or 2, and he says, Lord, if you're willing, I know you can make me clean. You know what Jesus said to him? I'm willing. That's right. I am willing. So what is his will when it comes to healing? It's his will. It's always his will. In fact, we're going to talk about even this in detail uh, in, in the weeks ahead. This right here represents the body of our Savior. That was beaten and bruised and striped and pierced for us so that we can be healed. But it does require you to walk holy before him so it can heal you. If you open the door to the devil, the devil will come to bring forth death. He is the author of death. And that's what he does. When you open the door, he'll destroy your flesh. So if you don't open that door then this right here will restore you and make you whole. And many sleep early because they don't understand this principle. Well, if you understand the principle, you're not going to sleep early. You're going to live a long, long life. So, Father, we thank you for sending your Son and his body was broken and bruised for us. Now we take this bread as a symbol of His body. And we realize in this body there's healing power. 
By faith, by faith we take this piece of bread and it will bring healing to those of us that need healing in our flesh. It will keep us and purify us. In the name of Jesus, Father, we want to thank you for what Jesus did for us. Now, you said if we don't take him inside of us, we don't eat his flesh and drink his blood, we have nothing with him. So, Lord, we want to eat the flesh. Uh, This is his body. And we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. And they ate the bread. Praise the Lord. Beautiful. The blood. Keep playing if you want to. Praise God. The blood. The greatest thing that there is. By this blood, when we get a hold of what this blood has done and how it has washed and cleansed and purified us and put us into a new covenant that's eons above the old covenant with greater promises. And when we get a hold of this, just like this brother did, he got a hold of it and he received a perfect set of eyes because he believed God's Word instead of believing the report of the devil. The devil is the one that ages you. The devil is the one that takes your life away from you. And he does that through sin. If you don't sin, he can't touch you. The Word says. And if the devil can't touch you, then when you walk holy before God and you quote the Word, you will be able to live a long, healthy, beautiful life and you will never have to be concerned about being in a nursing home. You will never have to be concerned about being in a wheelchair. You can still be a strong, vibrant, Christian man or woman. And it was all given to us by the blood of our Savior. When He said on that cross, It is finished. Man, He meant it was finished. But that devil has cheated us. And you're learning that, aren't you, brother? And you're not going to let him do that to you no more. You're going to fight the fight of faith every time the devil tries to come. And we're going to walk holy in obedience to God's Word. And we're going to become the most powerful organization on the face of the earth. That's the church. That's us. When the king said, if my words abide in you and you abide in me, you can ask me what you will. And I will do it for you. And many people, when I used to quote that in the Baptist church, they said, Thurman, you're misinterpreting that. That does not mean what it says. But let me tell you, when that precious little seven-year-old granddaughter that was, could not live, when I took these mighty things and quoted these things, and now then she runs grandmother a half a mile down to the mailbox every day and back, and whenever I get a letter from school, she's the fastest girl in her class, and she's one of the fastest learners in her class, a little girl that couldn't live. When I said, God, I want her back, and I don't want her back as a vegetable like the doctor says, I want her back supernaturally strong. What did King say I could have? Whatever I say. Why be natural anymore? 
Ask for supernatural things. Ask the Lord. Lord, I praise you and thank you for these promises. And because of what you sent your son to do and the blood he spilt on that cross, when he said, it's finished, he gave me something we don't understand. He said, I come to give you life and give it to you abundantly. Meditate on that this week. He didn't just come to give you life. He come to give you abundant life. Oh, I know that's sitting in a wheelchair at 60 years old in a nursing home. That's abundant life. Oh, no, you don't agree with that, huh? Let me tell you, I don't agree with that either. Abundant life is being 60, 70, 80, 30, 90, 20, whatever it is. And all your needs met and being able to pray and talk to God and everything you want to do is you're able to do it in the name of Jesus. And do it good, but you give Him the glory and the praise for everything. That's what this means to us. It is finished. What does He mean? We're going to talk about those in detail. It is finished. But I come to renew your youth daily like the eagles. And I come to give you life and give it to you abundantly. Isn't that awesome? That's what the King does for you and for me. Lord, because of that, we are so grateful. We are so grateful for the blessings and the Word, which is so powerful. You've told us what we can do. But Lord, unbelief is running rapid today. Lord, help us to rebuke that spirit of unbelief because of the blood and start believing your promises and start speaking by faith your promises so we can literally be those people that when they see us, they will want what we got. They'll come to us. We won't have to go to them. And we'll get them saved by the droves and get them healed and delivered. Help us, Lord, to walk in this. This week as we go, help us to walk holy and pure so that we will purify ourselves from all iniquity so we will be vessels of honor fit for the Master's use this week. And Lord, I want to thank you one more time for raising Johnny from the dead and letting him and his beautiful bride one more time stand on this platform and sing the glory of God. And I believe it's going to happen in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. We've taken too lightly what he meant when he said, It is finished. I read that a hundred times and had no idea. But I'm now learning. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to praise you and thank you for this beautiful day. We want to thank you for this magnificent book, the Word of God. Lord, prepare our hearts for what we're going to learn about you in the future. We know without revelation from the Holy Spirit, we will not be able to receive these great and awesome things. But help us to understand and receive by the Holy Spirit, by revelation from you, what you really mean as we study beyond where we have ever went. But you're the one told us to go on. As I have meditated on Hebrews 5 and 6, lately you were telling me, Son, you haven't even touched a corner yet. Go on, go on, go on. But Lord, 
it's taken a while for me to even begin to get a hold of the corner. But Lord, thank you for revealing it to me. Now as we go on, reveal to all of us what you mean and where we should walk as your church. And we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen.